With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now that you've found UBN Radio and discovered our quality talk shows, it's time to spread the word to friends, family, and the universe. 24 hours of music and talk. Radio without limits. That's why people keep coming back for more. That's UBNRadio.com. Welcome to Distill It with Richard Listen's show. I'm your host, Peter Sobey. Very excited to be here live from UBN Radio TV at the beautiful Sunset Gower Studios here in Hollywood, California. In these United States of America, we take a 360-degree view of life and sports, which we'd like to think is a pretty unique thing here. We are running on Facebook Live right now, still on the Richard Listens page. And uh, a lot of you might know voice dictation is a thing out there. And I did it myself just now to encourage everyone to send in their questions and comments. But my uh, dictation turned into, let's see here. (laughs) I said, we will be talking live in 30 seconds. Sunday is for comments and questions. So uh, don't wait until Sunday for your comments and questions. I was supposed to say... Uh, you were thinking about football. Don't forget to send us your... Write your comments and questions right now while we're live. Do not wait until Sunday. So in taking a 360-degree view of life and sports, I'm excited to start talking about our show. But first, I will bring into the fold live... On air, our resident sports psychologist, Dr. Richard Olberger. Hey, everybody. Dr. Richard, how are you today? I'm awesome. I love to hear that. You and your kids, or you and your son, did something special a few days ago, correct? Yeah, well, I was growing this beard in honor of our, our guest. <laughs> uh, you know, to be like him, and apparently having. I a... just wore a hat, Richard. That's real. That's real commitment, honestly. And and as we get into the story, like, yeah. let me just pause for one second. It's Wendy and Era from the Distillery. <laughs> <laughs> Randy Rosenberg and Era Sch- Schweizer, or or Wendy Rosenthal, whatever. Right. And I'm joking. <laughs> of course, I know they're Wendy Rosenthal and Era Schwitzer. And we did not grow out our beards. No, no. <laughs> as much as as much as we were happy to yeah. have him, we did. And not. we all know that Wendy's husband is Michael Swimney, <laughs> not Michael Swimney. Swimney. I can't even say it. Uh, so Richard. Yes. Yeah, so the beard. You had the a, beard. The beard led and a special good time. Thing. So Dr. Russ didn't even know that before he even came on the show that the beard led to an eBay commercial. And so last Thursday, and I, I <laughs> neglect that my, my partner's here, we had I had to miss a meeting with them, but somehow I found myself on a set uh, with uh, my little ones, 
shooting a commercial with a leaf blower. Apparently, this beard makes me look like an East Coast leaf blowing dad. <laughs> How did they find you, Richard? Seriously. I think that, the, you know, all these posts about the radio show and soccer fields and the rain, it just makes me look like really rugged outdoorsy. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, so I can play the part. So And it went good. I think it went well. We'll see. We'll see, you know, if I'm jumping on a table with my leaf blower, if you want to buy one, then I guess it went well. Literally, it was a commercial for leaf blowers. Well, I think it's about it's it's you know I don't know if I'm allowed to talk you know out of turn here. Oh, it's about <laughs> getting get... gifts for the holidays. I think the things uh, you would get. So uh, probably Father's Day. I'm thinking. Oh, oh yeah, like, that's right around the know, corner. But nice. they had a couple different vignettes uh, that that were in there. So you are so multi talented. You see, psychologist, radio host, actor. Yeah, well, try, trying to keep my lines was—it's like two lines, and I had and you like, talked. Wow, did you? Can you uh, put it towards a SAG card now? That's a great question. <laughs> I got a lot of learning done. I got scolded by the studio <laughs> teacher. That's the first thing that happened, Doctor Russ. I got smacked for like not having the right paperwork and homework, and it was like I almost wanted <laughs> wow. to just yeah. It's 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 intense. It is intense. Yeah. You have to be in school. There's laws. Yeah, absolutely. What were your lines like? <laughs> Show prepared. <laughs> I don't even know if I can disclose that. I don't oh, even know. Okay. But but I had to like I was like the terminator of leaf blowers. I was up on stage, <laughs> yeah. you know, just like gloating about how excited I was can, with my new toy. Can we have a like a preview party or a launch party when it comes out? I think out? we should. I think we should. Okay. And I think I deserve hazard pay cuz it's like 95 degrees in the summer in California in a enclosed greenhouse. So <laughs> someone should do the thermodynamics, you know, <laughs> check with the leaf blowers, you know. Uh, running so but uh, we survived it we roughed nice. it and uh nice how fun is that it was fun it was what an adventure ah. you know so of thanks course, as hot share. as it was that day today it's like 60 degrees here in los angeles yeah. it's crazy. that's how we roll yes and before we get to our illustrious guests i mean we're really excited about them we're going to build it up a little bit longer here <laughs> but wendy era yes you guys did something fun the other day i believe we did. We do so many fun things. Which yeah. specific day? <laughs> well, actually, you know what's kind of fun is that I was happened there to be too. at a coffee shop, and yeah. it's funny because LA is a big place, and it's spread out. For those of you watching or listening that don't live in Los Angeles, it's, it's a, a very, very spread place. out yeah. city. Yeah. And Peter found your secret meeting location. Yes, he did. Yeah, so like I'm there <laughs> Not having... Not so much a secret anymore. <laughs> now <laughs> just now no you know where to find it. Well, here's the crazy thing. And like fans of our show, they know that we've had Garrison Reese on the show a couple of times. So first of right. all, I'm just spontaneously had like a morning meeting at this coffee shop. And then I was going to kill a couple hours and have lunch there. And who walks in but Garrison Reese, so Mr. Great. American Ninja. That's so nice. let's see what we've discovered. The distillery's hidden meeting place has been discovered. Yeah. And yes. Peter's having secret meetings with Ninja Warriors. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> okay. But then I get done with lunch at Garrison, and who walks in? Wendy and Era. That's right. The plot is thickening here. <laughs> Richard, now all you have to do is show up on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and it'll be like Sounds the like whole a party. Richard Listens Distill yeah. It meeting place. Come on down, Dr. Russ. We'll have some yeah. acai bowls yes. and yeah. cold brew. <laughs> but on a final note, the fun thing that you guys did, I was there as well. If yeah. you're following me on Facebook, you probably saw a couple photos. But uh, what was that fun thing that I saw you guys at that we did together on Friday night? Well, we are very fortunate that uh, my husband, Mike Swimney, also known as Mike Swinney, is uh, very much involved with the University of Texas. And the alumni group out here called the Texas Edge 
um, had a, a really fantastic event the other night where um, they had two panels uh, speaking with some very illustrious people, including um, former coach Mac Brown, who was absolutely hysterical. Yeah, really fun. I, I, I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to meet him. They kind of ushered him out pretty quick. Um, new head coach of the football team, Tom Herman, who was also really uh, engaging. Um, a couple of former football players, some professors, um, all talking about one panel was on how the university helps their athletes um, have a life beyond what they call the 40 acres, which is the affectionate name for the campus. And um, so very interesting to hear what they do as a university to try and encourage their kids to um, be more outside of, of their, you know, the world and their life beyond athletics. And then another one was sports and media. And uh, Jordan Levin, who is the current head of NFL content, spoke, um, as well as a couple of other of the professors from the School of Journalism. And uh, it was very interesting to uh, listen to them discuss how sports and media, you know, combine, collide, and uh, oftentimes, um, you know, create uh, interesting scenarios around around sports. So it was... A it fun was lots of fun. Yeah. Lots of great people. A lot of fun. Yep. And Wendy? Yes. Your vow is to wear a different hat every show, which you've done. And we are getting to our guest right now because it looks even like a though <laughs> I've been known to make it's very bad <laughs> segues, <laughs> my segue today is actually a good segue. Your hat looks hat. a little like a fishing hat. It does. In honor of our wonderful guest, I wanted to wear <laughs> what my version of a fishing hat is. I'm not uh, I'm not a fisherman. I, in fact, I'm really bad. I've tried fly fishing, and I, I really sucked at it. So uh, this was my, my attempt to welcome Dr. Russ and... Uh, Make him feel at home uh, on our home. Which so, is this show. our guest today is a Stanford University professor. Richard and I got to meet him when we traveled up to Stanford back at the end of February. And uh, I would like Richard to kind of make a little bit of the longer introduction because this guest of ours is Dr. Russ Carpenter, is out of sight. So, give us a little Dr. Russ introduction, Richard. All right. Dr. Russ, yes, this gentleman, uh, I'm proud to call him a friend. He really greeted us with open arms, but he is a former lineman from Occidental College here in Los Angeles, San Pedro area, if I'm correct. <laughs> Occidental? Uh, is that correct? Where but, Occidental is at, or is he from San Pedro? No, he's hailing oh. from Palo Alto currently. So where is Occidental? I believe it's in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a New Yorker. What do I know? But it's as a, soon as he comes on air, he'll tell us. <laughs> yes, Eagle Rock. So get the introduction lost finished. In the details. Eagle Rock, which has Eagle nothing Rock. to do with San Pedro. <laughs> well, there's you. something about San Pedro in there. He let, he's going to tell us. <laughs> okay. He will, right, he will help me. He will support me here, <laughs> Dr. Russ. I can't wait to okay. <laughs> but that is just where his journey began. Uh, <laughs> continue if I'm Korean. In San Pedro via Pasadena. This tale is going to really. And really go, quick about your about your hat, Wendy. Your husband Mike Swinney says a Burberry fishing hat. That sound you hear is their stock crashing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thank boy. you, Mike. So finish so, the introduction so yes. we can get Dr. Russ on. Thank here. you. So yes, Dr. Russ, a undergraduate in fisheries and a long journey through Sweden, if I'm correct, through a PhD in neuroscience at Stanford University. Currently teaching in the College of Writing and Rhetoric and also has an introductory 
uh, summer class for all incoming athletes. Gentleman and a scholar currently working on a book on the 10 species of trout. I'm gonna, he's going to correct me on that. Uh, found in, in Southern California and a proud hobbyist, lurist, and fly fisherman. Nice. Beautiful. Great introduction. We'll see how much of that was true. <laughs> Welcome, Dr. Russ Carpenter. It <laughs> 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 uh, feels so great to be on the show. I, the beard, first of all. I, Thank you. Fantastic. <laughs> First there was James Harden. Now there was, you know, Russ Carpenter. This is this could, we could patent this I'm, thing. I'm rocking the Russ Carpenter built beard too, but you probably can't see it because it's so darn gray. <laughs> you still you still got the Joe Madden thing going. Strong right. Work. Totally, Strong. totally. And of course the, the fishing hat is just fantastic. <laughs> you feel at home. You feel welcome. Yeah, yeah it's natural. And I, I also just want to throw in our excellent engineer is Jarvis Essex, like always. Thank you for being here, Jarvis. Jarvis and Jarvis left his hat like home you, this week though. It looks yeah. like you came across the photos or you just found okay. So we have Russ Carpenter photos holding fish and stuff like that that we'll get more into later. <laughs> Did you get into the Dropbox? Or? Okay, good. Because, yeah, there's a couple of really specific pictures I want to talk about later, like the tiger lily and such. But Dr. Russ Carpenter, how much of Dr. Richard Olberger's introduction did he get right? Everything but Eagle Rock. (laughs) 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 Which is an important detail there. It is. It is. There is a San Pedro connection, though. Uh, When I went to Occidental, they have a research vessel, uh, which is based in San Pedro. So I did spend a little bit of time. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. right. You get half a point for that one, Richard. Half a point. (laughs) (laughs) That's detailed background there. I'm really I'm going to get that information. (laughs) And so it's your journey is amazing. Dr. Russell, when we sat down, we had the pleasure of meeting you. I was going up to Stanford to speak at a symposium about uh, specifically my topic was disability in the media, but uh, that's related to you because we met you through Dr. Kathleen Tarr, another professor there at Stanford, and she's actually going to be our guest live in the studio on June 12th. She's here in Los Angeles, so we're going to welcome her into the studio. But she, one of the first people, I shouldn't say one of the, the first person she introduced us to was you. And, you know, that first morning we were there, we... We were all out on that chilly patio at 9 a.m., and you gave us your time and sat down with us. And, I mean, Dr. Richard will say it more graciously than me, but, I mean, you it's like blew us away. Like this guy that's this, you know, you're like a big offensive lineman, you know, and yet you're like elegant, intelligent, smart. Well spoken, insightful. I mean, the list goes on. Yeah, I promised the ladies from the distillery that you'd have them interested in fly fishing by the end of the show. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that, Peter. I, I thank you very much for um, those kind words. Yeah, absolutely. So, even though Richard kind of gave the all encompassing introduction, you know, here at Distill It with Richard Listens, our motto is we take a 360 degree view of life and sports. And we also like to kind of touch on things that a lot of other sports shows don't touch on. Certainly, fishing isn't the most widely talked about thing you hear about on SportsCenter and stuff. And and we really are fascinated with that, and we really want to get into that. But a really fascinating thing about you as well is that you were a collegiate athlete 
you had aspirations to go further than that, but an injury made you rethink things. So to kind of start us off here, talk a little bit about that, where you were at with playing football in college and the right turn that you had to take. Yeah, thank you. I It was a um, – I, I grew up as a three-sport athlete all throughout uh, as, as soon as I could play sports, football, wrestling, track and field, through the shot put and the discus. I was uh, Sports was a major part of my life. I was one of the first or the first person from my small town in Northern California to get a – full ride scholarship. I went to Occidental college and football was a a huge part of my life, not just football, but everything that goes along with it, you know, training, lifting, watching film. Uh, I left Occidental and went back up North. Uh, I, I did grow up in a town with 500 people, which is really about 350 and LA was a lot for me, uh, even though I got to work on that boat. So I, I came back to Northern California and I played a year of junior college football. And then I played for a year at Humboldt state university and I had a car accident. I was hit by a drunk driver and I almost lost my leg. So the football career was over, uh, which was a, it was a blow for me because the social aspect of the game is something that you often don't think about and the way in which it is entangled with your identity so it was a it was a rough transition for me. Uh, I had had some aspirations to become pro, but I I want to make that caveat there. I was a really good long snapper, um, just six foot three quarters on a phone book. Uh, so I was a I was a good offensive lineman. I wasn't a great offensive lineman. I certainly couldn't have have sustained life in the big show, but I could have snapped a football for a long time. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but I just I, mean, I had to make that pivot. I'm not going to say it was easy. Uh, it took a long time to come to grips with that. But through a study abroad program, uh, they took a chance on an athlete with not the highest GPA. And I went to Sweden. It was a transformative experience for me. I started to put my intensity and focus that I brought to the field into work at a lab and into understanding science and learning. And it turned out to be an excellent pivot for me. I I have been a neuroscientist ever since and ended up getting my PhD, which was just about as far from my freshman year of college football game as, as I could have imagined. So No doubt. And I want to get more in-depth into that. But first, let's stop because uh, uh, the story is so fascinating. So basically, you know, I'm surrounded here. To my left, I've got Dr. Richard, a sports psychologist. To my right, I've got the women from the distillery who are athletic repurposing specialists. So I want to pose it to both of my team members here. You got this guy, so you a long snapper, and you know, there's talent at that, pro aspirations, even if it is as a long snapper, starting with the women of the distillery. What do you say to this college athlete that has had a traumatic hit? A hit, you're hit by a drunk driver. So it's not even like something dumb you did that, you know, ended your sports career. How do you repurpose the college athlete? And then Dr. Russ kind of reflect with them. Like, you know, we want to know, did you have someone like that to talk to? And then we'll transition it over to Dr. Richard on the psychology angle. Well, and I think that that Russ, he touched upon it because what's fascinating is that he instantly said it's not just the accident which takes you out of what you've been doing in terms of your sport, but 
then it calls your identity into question. You know, it's, it's who, who am I now? So this has happened, and I nearly lost my leg, so who am I? You know, what does it all mean in the bigger picture, in the bigger scope of things? What does it all mean? So I think that's, that's really the first question to start to, to, to figure out what really defines you, yeah. who you are. <coughs> and you start to look at all the different things that make up this person, what your different passions are, what excites you, um, and start to look at a life beyond football. Well, what I'd really be interested, instead of me commenting, I, I'd really be interested um, in hearing from Russ himself because, like you're saying, you know, you didn't have aspirations to be a neuroscientist. You know, you had, you said yourself, mediocre grades. Um, you know, you were always an athlete. And it, it, so how did you, in that process, or what was a, a turning point in your process where you said, okay, I know I know what steps I can take now because I think it's a really important thing to also note. It isn't just the playing football it or any sport, that it was your whole social network, sure. your whole everything. I mean, that's a huge shift. Did you how did you how did you do it? What was the turning point for you and did you have help? Absolutely the things you're saying are, are spot on. They really resonate with with my experience. Uh, it was hard. <laughs> It was really hard of the social aspect that I mentioned, you know, you've got 75 dudes that, you know, their first name, last name, where they're from, yeah. you know, stuff about them, you know, so even if they're not your best friends, you have this huge social network and that doesn't disappear, but a little bit. Um, I was laid up for a long time, so it wasn't like a bunch of 20 year old dudes are coming by to hang out with me. Uh, you know, and they're doing their own thing and life just goes on in the same trajectory for them. Well, for me, uh, everything was, was different. And so there was this sort of internal thing, but there was also this physical difference too. There was a, a long healing process there. Um, well, I, I can imagine there's also a shared experience that you have with these guys. There's a there's a common vocabulary that you are all talking about, and now they have it. They're continuing on, and while you you know it, it's not on a day on day in day out basis, right? Yeah, and an interesting thing about that is I couldn't watch a live football game for years. Wow, that's fascinating. I just wouldn't be able to walk into a stadium. Even when I was in graduate school, six or eight years later at the university of South Dakota, they have this beautiful dome and the, the Yotes, the, the coyote team there, the coyotes. And, you know, it was right by my house and everybody always go to the games. It was a big deal. And mm -hmm. I couldn't, I just would get so much anxiety eight years wow. after the yeah. fact wow. of attending a football game, which, you know, so it, it tangled me up for a while with that, uh, so it was part of that identity crisis. I will say the thing, it, it wasn't that I, I talked to anyone that helped per se, although my family is incredibly supportive. Uh, I mixed it up. I forced myself into an unfamiliar situation. I moved to Sweden yeah. by myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It was wild to do that. I mean, just totally crazy. But my family said, hey, if this is what you feel, I mean, academically it was sound. I could take my last two classes and get my undergraduate degree. So academically it was fine. And they, they supported it and they said, go for it. And that experience was, it was a frame shift. I just, yeah. everything changed. So who I was then before the accident didn't matter, who I was during the accident didn't matter. It was who I was right then as I was meeting these Swedes for the first time. <laughs> you wow. know, one of the things that, um, Aira and I try and, share with our clients is the fact that, you know, as an athlete, being uncomfortable is a regular 
thing, right? It's like a normal thing. You're working out and your coaches are pushing you to, to do that one extra push-up, pull-up, sit-up, whatever it is, that one extra rep, or you're on the field and you're forced into a scenario where you have to think differently and be uncomfortable and do something you're not used to. And it's so interesting that you're saying that the thing that got you on the path that you're on was to be uncomfortable, right. was to do something yeah. that mixed it up. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's a, a, an amazing um, lesson and validation to some of the things that we've experienced in our life and what we as consultants and people who do support people who are transitioning that as an athlete, you have that innate ability to be uncomfortable because you are all the time. So if you can repurpose it and use it like you did, look at where you, you've gotten to because of that. That's really amazing. Yeah, I'm really glad to hear about you guys, uh, the work that you're doing too, because the other thing we know about athletes generally, I mean, Terrell Owens, beside the point, uh, are incredibly coachable. Right. Yeah. So a little bit of coaching goes a long way yeah. with someone that maybe isn't sure what's what's looking their future looks like or what the next steps are. A little bit of coaching there can go a long way. Absolutely. That's so funny. Why did you pull that name out of the hat, Doctor Russ? <laughs> well, I'm a huge Niner fan, and <laughs> just always a little bit sore about Terrell Owens and his that behavior. Funny. <laughs> well, you know, we we happen to be friendly with him, and and you know, he actually he is very coachable. Funny yeah. enough, I is mean, that it's, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that, yeah, but you know, again, there's a uh, interesting that you bring it up because there's also a persona about being an athlete, right? I'm sure that, you know, as an athlete, you're, you know, people see you on campus and they're like, hey, you're, you know, you're, yeah. you're a, a star athlete, you're an athlete on our team, you get out there, you're on TV, with all, all of that. And there is a persona that comes along with it. And when you lose that, like you did, you know, it's also another aspect of, 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 you know, losing or transitioning or shifting, you know. So, Russ, we want to get into, like, how you took the right turn into fishing. But, Dr. Richard, you've got a college athlete here who's in a very traumatic accident, can't even go into a stadium to watch a game. What do you say to someone like this? Well, I didn't even realize, you know, because Dr. Russ is, you know, he's such a, a cheerful guy. And he's he's a team player. He's used to being a teammate, right? And he likes being in that. That there was a grief that went along with this. And for a lot of athletes, that comes a lot later That's or right. a lot slower, right? Yeah. The, you know, the minutes get cut or injuries keep reoccurring. So to have this happen at you're not even 21, right? Yeah, 21, just just. Yeah, so I am just uh, really amazed. It's almost I'm getting this like you know Jedi like you know the, the, it's almost like a grief and then rebirth. Yeah, um, and it's you know you, you paint this picture of a small town, but there's something really profound either in your family it sounds like or in that environment where you had some resources to be like, well, even though I'm I'm grieving and I can't even look at the thing I love, there is something else I really I, I at least have the freedom to go pursue. I mean, when I hear your story, that's what stands out the most. It's like, oh, like, you know, I, I don't know if I could have told my parents I'm going to study fisheries. And, you know, <laughs> they would have been like, oh, go ahead. And, and you know what? If you want to go abroad, you know, keep, you know, keep, keep going. <laughs> you know, like, right. so, so, where, you know, I'm, I'd be really curious about those resources for an athlete. And, and for you, where, you know, what gave you that permission to go and, you know, kind of form this new identity and hang out with the Swedes and just explore? <laughs> In a way, it's like a, a, a back in infancy again, um, the freedom to create, uh, you know, a whole new identity and passion. 
you know, this speaks to a, a piece of advice that I just gave someone who was uh, touring Stanford campus, a friend of a friend, their daughter came to campus and they were talking about this idea of, you know, what, what's the persona that I undertake when I'm uh, curating my um, application process and when I'm thinking about what I'm saying in my essays. And it was this idea of be yourself. And that's not a cliche, but be yourself and take, take opportunities as they come. And that was something that I really believed in. You know, the Sweden connection, honestly, I saw a flyer in a building. I, I was exhausted. I was limping everywhere I went. And you know how it gets when you limp. My right leg was hurt. So it was my left hip was hurting really badly. My lower back was sore. And so every time I would walk across campus, I knew the best route to get through campus with the least amount of stairs and the, the shortest distances. And I was just taking a break uh, in pain, leaned up against a wall in some no-name building as I was going across campus. Boom, I saw this flyer for study abroad. I saw that it class the two classes that I needed were matched somehow. And I thought, this is it. This is, this is something I should apply for. And then, of course, the GPA minimum was 2.75. And I had a 2.7 GPA. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, it was not it's under the limit, but I thought, well, you know, I can, I can make this happen. Um, I just went for it. I, I applied, I got an interview and it just sort of happened. And so one of the pieces of advice that I like to share is that you may have these ideas of what, what things are going to happen and what your life's going to look like, but really go for it, be yourself, go along. And, and as opportunities come, if they feel good, take them. If they don't work out, leave them. And it's probably frustrating to hear that as someone who you're asking advice, you know, and I'm saying, I'll just go, it'll work out. Just trust in that. But that's exactly how I've lived. I I mean, even there in Sweden, the the guy who I was working with and my last class professor said, Russ, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, I don't know. I want to play with fish. (laughs) He said, well, uh, I play with fish. what <laughs> you didn't expect that answer yeah he said, no i i have this because he i was t- taking a freshwater ecology course and he was one of the instructors and he was talking about fish biology physiology of fishes and he said yeah i do this physiology and neuroscience research and i study rainbow trout as a model organism and i thought to myself that's a thing <laughs> <laughs> and wow i like trout <laughs> yeah. He said, I could take you downstairs right now and show you the fish. We got a fish room going. So let me so let me ask you one question real quick about that. So if you're talking same almost the same question Peter asked me, you're talking to a twenty one year old who finds that flyer in that moment. Can you get to that moment without having a challenge ahead of it? And and how did how did that redefine what you'd been through when you find that flyer? Um, I think it gave me something to focus on. Um, for sure. You know, it, it wasn't, I didn't think it was a slam dunk, but it gave me something to think about when I didn't really have anything else. I mean, I was thinking about finishing my classes, but I was, you know, going to be a, a semester behind. And, and so I just was sort of zombieing through. Right. And that flyer, and I guess I do this a lot. I, I, I really can build things up in my head. I can visualize how things are going to be. And so I, I just started thinking, wow, Sweden, this is going to be amazing. And 
it gave me something to pull for, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think it gave the challenge too, to be honest, I, as you were saying before, you know, I, I thrive on being uncomfortable and, and changing things up. And that, that was an ultimate challenge. And it seemed like, okay, let's do this. Let's do something crazy. I got to pay for college now because I don't have a scholarship anymore. Yeah. I'm going to take out a student loan. I'm going to go to Sweden. So all of a sudden, you're not focused on your injury. You're focused on ordering a burger in Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> and was the love of fish there or just did the sound of trout at that moment sound incredible? <laughs> no, so at Humboldt State, I, had, I, I was studying fisheries. My undergraduate degree is in fisheries. So, yeah, I've, when I was four years old, I was fishing for sturgeon like that uh, in the Delta with my uncle on a small John boat. I've been doing it my whole life. I always wanted to to play with fish. I mean, that was my goal. Mm-hmm. So when this guy said, you know, he, he basically identified me as someone who, you like my work ethic, you like my attitude. I show up early, I stay late, you know, I'm polite, I'm helpful, I'm doing my homework. And so he was just sort of feeling me out. And when he said, Hey, I, I play with fish, you know, we got to, we play with their brains and poke <laughs> them around. But, you know, I mean, he eventually said, if you want to come work for me, you can come work for me. I think, you know, you'd be a, a great scientist. And I was pretty nervous about that because I didn't think of myself as an academic in that way, but it turned out to be really great. I mean, I had to clean fish tanks the next day, which <laughs> but you like playing with fish. So, you know, it's kind of uh, right up the alley, right? Yeah. I mean, I had that hat, so I knew that. <laughs> you had to use it sometime, right? <laughs> so what doc- I love, though, about everything he's sharing is that he's he's talking so much about everything that you and I discuss with our clients. I mean, this is it. It's He's talking about an athlete being uncomfortable. We forget how much risk an athlete has to take. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. it's not easy to go and try out for a team and to get turned down and to be told you're not strong in this area go focus on that and then to put in the training and the effort and the time to try and make yourself better and stronger and go back and try again and athletes are taking risks all the time and he's talking about just all of that taking all of that that an athlete knows how to innately do take a risk be uncomfortable have a strong work work Mm -hmm. ethic put in the effort and you know get out and do it and so he's literally repurposed all of that athletic intelligence and said this is what i'm going to go do i'm going to try it out you know what's the worth unknowingly really it's amazing and there's so much, like we still got to get to Stanford and what you're teaching there, but sticking in the vein of fishing, Jarvis, can you put up that picture you're about to show? So now let's just move fast forward to your fishing life. <laughs> Jarvis is looking at you going, what? what? Well, you had a picture there with the, the pic of, of Dr. Russ holding the chart of <laughs> trouts. So this here is a picture because you have fished in California, notably, you've caught nine of ten native California trout. Is that correct? That's correct. That's right. <laughs> what, what is the, the elusive? Heck? Yeah. What, what is the elusive yeah, one? Exactly. Which, Which one is missing? like avoiding you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's my Moby Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, it's so funny because I it's the Eagle Lake trout. Ah, and Eagle Rock, kid, Eagle Lake. I grew up very close to Eagle Lake and. Lassen County in northeastern California. And when I was just a little kid, I could catch those fish 
on a night crawler with a little marshmallow. Here it is. Dr. Russ's wow. nemesis is on the screen right now. <laughs> and now when I want to catch, that's pretty impressive. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> that's Jarvis for you. That's Jarvis. Any feelings coming up when you see this uh, fish that you want to process? Is that, is that, fish, is that <laughs> fish like your football stadium now? <laughs> I'm not afraid to go back out to the lake. Yeah. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but anyway, you're so eagle, eagle Lake. You're a kid. When I was a kid, I could catch those fish left and right. I mean, a night crawler and a little marshmallow on a hook and zing it out there and just put the rod on a fork stick, sit and wait, and pretty soon, boom, you got a trout on. And now I'm an adult and I'm trying to do a fly fishing and it's like, uh, it's, this is my Moby Dick. I mean, there's, there was no fish being caught by anyone, any of the four times I went to Eagle Lake. And every single time there were fish being caught the day before and there were fish wow. being caught after. But it was just some reason I had the, the, the didn't have the luck. And Dr. Russ, I got to say, just going to interject here because we do the show on Facebook Live at the same time. People can leave comments and questions. And our one of our, our regular contributors is a friend of mine back from growing up in Carpenters, Illinois, AJ Collier, and he wanted to let us know he's here. He's with us. Nice. Hey, but hey, AJ. kind of like the effect that you have, Dr. Russ, on people, I'm telling you. AJ Collier said, hey, I'm in the house, so he's here. Dr. Russ's story has hit a sensitive nerve for me, and I'm at a loss for words, which is crazy for wow. AJ. And well, we've also now we got have a challenge from Dr. Matt Lefferman. Yeah, now we've also got Dr. Matt Lefferman checking in. He's been a guest on the show, a friend of ours. He says, great motivation from Dr. Russ regarding fishing I have seen on ESPN. Help me understand, why is it a sport alongside football? The challenge has been thrown down, Dr. Russ. People have that question. (laughs) Why is it a sport? (laughs) Yep. Um, Well, I mean, it's not a comparable sport, right? No... You're no fishermen wear armor or smash into each other, but uh, <laughs> it is certainly a... I've heard a, those bass competitions can be pretty say, brutal, you're, honestly. You're at Eagle Lake and you haven't caught that, that elusive trout and the guy in Mexico's got it. I, I'm not sure you're not going to be crashing into him, but go ahead. <laughs> it certainly takes skill, right? I mean, uh, yeah. Bikram yoga is a sport, um, and when you see someone who is... and athlete uh, is excels at, at their sport, you know it, right? I, Michael Jordan seemed like he went a little bit faster than everyone else when yeah. he played. I mean, he was, when you, when you see someone do it, it, it makes sense. And so these guys, are, they're college fishing teams now, and there is professional bass fishing tournaments, and it's reflective of what people love. People love fishing. And so it makes uh, a sort of a human nature to make a competition out of it. it it's never really been my uh, driving force as a competition, but uh, it's, it's something that you can make into a competition and it's, it's fun to watch. Uh, I think it wouldn't be on ESPN uh, if it didn't uh, draw in a, a crowd. So I always like to bring in a little bit of research into our shows and I have to be honest, I, I started doing some trying to do research on fly fishing as sport and didn't find a whole lot, but it was interesting. The one thing I did find that I, I was fascinated by was the fact that there's apparently a big debate, maybe you know it, over um, trout fly fishing competitions versus bass fly fishing competitions and how you really can't make a good competition out of fly fishing for trout because of how they group congregate together, how they move through 
uh, lakes together and how it really is kind of unfair and there's not enough per, uh, not enough variables to make it something that could be more competitive. I don't know if you've it's read unregulated. anything about that. It's like sports yeah. betting. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, actually, there, there is competitive fly fishing. It's fairly common in Europe. Yeah, but with uh, bass, they were saying, not trout. Yeah, with with trout. Oh, and with you, trout. Ah. Fly fishing for trout is uh, it's a thing. It, it's a com- competition. We have a U.S. national team. Wow. Uh, Lance Egan, who's one of my favorite fly tires, is somebody who's consistently up at the top of the of the field there. So it's a thing. It's not hugely popular. I would never go to a fly fishing competition. Although there are fly casting competitions. Yes, yes. I saw That's that big. a lot. Yeah, pretty popular. Um, but the, the bass fishing is its own thing, right? These guys have these special boats and they all go to the same lake and blast around and, and, uh, try and catch bigger fish than the others. That's all catch and release fishing too, which is, which is great. They don't kill those fish. And, Um, and AJ is telling us IHSA has bass fishing as a school sport now. That's crazy. As a school sport. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Russ, um, before we move on though, I am curious how much, of your life are you going to spend in pursuit of that 10th trout? Like, do you plan on an expedition soon? Seriously? Uh, it's a closed season. So it's, it's just open during part of the year. Uh, it's open from labor day till, uh, December 31st. So I will be back. I grew up just an hour from that lake. So I'm up there all the time, but it's a difficult place to fish in the summer. The fish are out deep. So you can't really catch them on a fly rod in the summertime. Um, you got to wait till the winter time when they come up to the surface, actually the, the warmer waters up near the surface in the winter. And so it's a, it's a brutal cold fishery if you want to catch them on a fly, but mm-hmm. I'll be back as soon as the weather turns nasty, uh, <laughs> up in Hudson County, I'll be, uh, chaining up the SUV and heading up the hill. You nice. Mu- you must send us when you do catch your Moby Dick, you must send us pictures. We need, yeah. we need to do an update Absolutely. on the show. We might have to be on the scene with marshmallows. We might have there to be know. out there. <laughs> <laughs> this is history. And, <laughs> and speaking of the marshmallows you use as a child, I'll make another really great segue here. You now create your own flies, which are a form of lures for fly fishing, correct? That's correct, yeah. And is that what you're, you said you were writing a book. Is it on the creation of the flies? It's, uh, that's got part of it. Yeah. Um, the book is about the pursuit of the heritage trout and why that is even a thing. And it's, it's really in sort of the spirit of other ecology minded books, uh, like uh, Sand County Almanac, or, uh, I guess even Silent Spring, by Rachel Carson, but this idea of our wild places and our wild spaces are things that we take for granted. Mm. And just right here in the state of California, there are uh, 11 species actually of trout native to the state. So they don't, they, they grew up here, uh, evolved here. They don't exist anywhere else. And most people don't even know. And they, and if they took the time to go out and explore these places and, and learn about them, it could potentially change the way they interact with our natural spaces and places. And then a part of that book is the narrative of us doing it. And a part of the book is sort of the ecology and the flora and fauna of California, a huge state uh, from the redwood forests of Northern California to the high deserts, you know, down to Joshua tree and uh, coastal Southern California. It's a, it's a really diverse state. And I, and I, 
I think having it in one place is sort of a travel guide, fishing story, and and also yeah, I, I do talk about some flies that I tied specifically for uh, the trout challenge, thinking about the region and what those fish eat, uh, and trying to match, as it were, what the what the local trout are eating. And um, so here's where we stand, Doctor Russ. Believe it or not, we have five minutes left of the show, and we still I do want to touch on you know your teaching athletes and such. But to wrap up the fishing in the book, so you're in the process of writing it. We can expect it sometime next year, this year? Yeah, for sure next year. Uh, writing a book is hard. What? <laughs> yeah, but if I anyone mean, could do it, you can. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm, I'm sort of flying solo on it. I do have a friend who's who's a real author and is writing a book on climate change uh, about a research she did in Alaska and, and she's got an agent and a publisher. And so she, I know she knows what she's doing and we write together once a week. And, and so far the, the feedback I've got has been pretty good. So yeah, hopefully sometime next year. So in the few minutes we have left with you, Dr. Russ, you teach, why is it important for you to teach when you spoke with uh, Dr. Richard and I, Dr. Richard kind of go into this question a bit more about teaching athletes. Well, you saw something, right? Some people would stop their journey, I mean, to get a PhD at Stanford and, and neuroscience is, I, I don't know what the percentages are, but uh, I definitely yeah. was intimidated by that challenge uh, when applying for graduate school. So, you know, I, I mean, right there, right? You know, you're, you're on A game. So maybe talk to us about, you know, because again, you got that, that, that message from the flyer, right, to you saw something at this wonderful university, one of the most gifted in the nation. Uh, what, what, what did you notice and, and what did you want to give to the university? I think that, uh, well, I, I appreciate the kind words again. And, and I think that that opportunity allows me to give back in my own unique way to these student athletes that are coming through a program. And I, I teach football players, but the class is open to all athletes. It's, um, I think it's an important moment for them to realize as they come into Stanford, that life isn't just sports, even though it might feel that way for them, and that they need to bring the heat in everything that they do. So uh, I know it's sort of a, I've been a catchphrase of mine, and my students are probably sick of hearing it, but I, I expect my athletes to work as hard for me in class as they do for their position coach. Yeah. And if they bring weak sauce, I will just push it right back at them because <laughs> I know they can take it and I know it's hard. And when they say, you know, this is hard. I say, I bet, I bet it's hard to be a student athlete at Stanford. Sounds tough. And so what are you going to do about it? Right. right. Maybe you're going to have to get up a little earlier. Maybe you're going to have to sit in the library instead of hanging out with your buddies on the quad to, for two hours tomorrow afternoon. And I'm sorry about that, but yeah. I hope you go to the big show. And if you do, I want you to be the smartest person there. Mm. And if you don't go to the big show, I don't want you to be at a loss. I want you to feel like you have ownership of your life and your direction. So that's why I like to to work with those students specifically because I, you know, I'm living proof that you never know what's going to happen and you truly should embrace the journey uh, and, and not get too tangled up in one identity uh, wrapped around sports. That's yeah. beautiful. Brilliant. You know, we always beautiful. like to end the show with some motivational words and, I mean, you just gave it to us. Bring the sauce. He said, bring the sauce. That's all I'm going to remember. Well, I love that. You know, don't go give me none of that weak sauce. (laughs) (laughs) So everyone out there, you know, you could follow Dr. Russ's exploits on Instagram, right? At Catfish Dog. Catfish Dog, D-A-W-G. 
And uh, you could see the latest flies he's making, some fishing he's doing. We didn't even get into the the blue, beautiful tiger lily that haunts your dreams to this oh. day. So much more. But Dr. Russ, um, thank you for spending tonight with us on the show. Yeah. Just amazing, inspirational. I hope everyone follows you on Instagram and we're going to follow along with you here. So thanks for coming on. Distill so it with much. Richard Listens. Thank you, Dr. Thank Ross. You. Thank you. Real treat. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Look forward to visiting with you again and uh, keep sending your students our way. We appreciate it. Will do. Thank you. All right. And so, yes, that brings an end to our show as well. We don't even have time to go around the room with inspirational words from everyone here. Wendy's hat says enough. Yeah. Wendy's hat says enough. It's but, all you uh, need to do is wear a Burberry fishing hat and all goes well. But, you know, in the spirit of what Dr. Russ said, you know, be yourself, embrace yourself. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't get better than that, you yeah, know. Absolutely. So we are not going to be back in two weeks from now because it's Memorial Day Monday, but we'll be back on June 5th. So until then, a quick goodbye from everyone. Bye. Goodbye. Have Thanks a great Memorial us. Day weekend, everyone. Yep. And we'll see you next time right here. See you, everybody. Peace out. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.